The Word of God. Wow. I have the privilege, and if I had met you, I'm Brad Evans, pastor of Family Ministries here at Grace, but I have the privilege to teach about the Word of God this morning. God has revealed Himself to us. We have general revelation. We see creation uh, through our conscience. We have special revelation through the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. And we have the written Word of God, how God has revealed Himself to us through His Holy Word. And I just got to tell you, I, I take His Word for granted far too often. I, I forget. It becomes commonplace. Do you know what I mean? That I can actually open this book up and God can speak to me truth. That this book is my plumb line for how I'm to live my life. That this book gives me guidance and comfort when I need it. This is an amazing book. Not just any book. God's word. Given to us. Why? So that we can know him. So that we can know our sinfulness and our need for a Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. This book, from beginning to end, points out the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it shows us in Revelation that He wins in the end. He is supreme. This is an amazing book. Have you read it? Do you know God's Word? Do you treasure God's Word and hide it in your heart? You know, this book, when I was a nine-year-old boy, God used it to bring me to Himself. And I heard a verse. It may be the most famous verse in the Bible. Do you know John 3.16? For God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only son, his unique son. And that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But will have what? Eternal life. A relationship with a holy God. By believing in Jesus, our sins can be forgiven. And we can have a relationship with a holy God. That's why we're created. To know him. And then so we can make him known. John 3.16. Jesus also continued on in the book of John to talk about this life, this eternal life. And he said, I came that you might have this life and that you might have it to the full. You might have it abundantly. Because before Christ, we're dead in our sins. And through Christ, he's made us alive. And he came that we might experience this eternal life, not just getting us to heaven, but that While we're on this earth, we can experience victory in his abundant life through Christ. He also said in this book, I am the way and the truth and the what? And the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This book teaches us about God. It teaches us about ourselves, our sinful condition. 
It provides comfort when we need it. It provides guidance when we need it. It's an amazing book. Do you know it? Do you know God's word? He wants us to know him. Again, he created us to know him so that we can grow into Christ's likeness and mature and we can bring him glory. We're in a series in this book of the essentials. And I really want to encourage you, if you don't have this, to purchase this. You can buy it on the way out or you can download it for free. But this is lesson nine of a 10-week series. And we're in a series of how we can experience victory in the Christian life. Uh, This morning, it's about victory through the word. And this is actually a three-part series that kind of ties together about how we can experience victory. And to tie those together, I want to use the illustration of this plant. My wife likes plants, and uh, this last week I bought this for her. Um, Does anyone know what kind of plant this is? I think someone said a Gerbera daisy, and you would be correct. Um, Isn't this a beautiful plant? Now... When we trust Christ, we receive life, and we're, if you will, a a new sprout. And so to grow to maturity, there are certain ingredients that we need, certain things that need to happen so that we can become more like Christ and eventually grow to be, as Isaiah called, oaks of righteousness for his glory. So what does this Gerber daisy need in order to grow? In order to continue to thrive, in order to bear beautiful flowers, tell me, what does this need? Needs some water. We can appreciate that this time of year, can't we? Are you praying for rain? Keep praying. This plant needs water, and it hadn't come from the sky recently, so I've been watering it. Um, Someone else said light. This plant needs light. If I was to put this in a closet and shut the door, after a while it wouldn't do too hot. What else does this plant need? It needs water, it needs light. What else does it need? Yeah, it needs some fertilizer, it needs some soil, it needs some nutrients. In fact, what I'm going to call this morning, as we look at uh, this section of scripture, um, we're going to look at how we can experience victory in the Christian life, that God has given us three things. He's given us the Spirit of God. I'm going to call that water. I kind of had a little tough, you know, no illustration's perfect. I started to use light. Uh, but Kevin last week talked about how we have an opportunity. The moment we place our faith in Christ, we receive His Spirit, and we're to be filled with His Spirit, empowered with His Spirit. And so God has given us, uh, I'll call it the water, so that we as a plant can grow. This morning we're going to look at the Word of God, and I'm going to call that the soil. You can't see the soil down in here, but there's some soil that we need that's fertilizer, uh, that has the nutrients so that as we sink our roots down deeply, that we can grow to maturity. And we also see the third ingredient that we need is we need the people of God, the community of God, the church. And we'll be looking at that in two weeks. So here we have the water, the soil and the light so that this Gerber daisy can grow so that it can thrive and grow to maturity. In Isaiah, I mentioned this already. Isaiah said, so they will be called, those are uh, God's people will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? Why should we grow to maturity and be like this oak? 
for God's glory so that he'll be glorified. Now, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, what better day than today to receive eternal life so that you can begin this process of growing to maturity. And as a little sprout, some of us may be new believers, uh, and we have an opportunity through these three ingredients of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God to grow to maturity. This morning, again, I'm focusing on the central, that middle part there, the, the soil or the Word of God, and so that we can grow into this oak tree for God's glory. Now, this takes time, doesn't it? We don't grow into this majestic oak tree overnight. It takes time for us to mature. But hopefully this year I'm growing a little bit taller and a little of my, you know, the spread is a little bit larger. And like we read in Psalm chapter one, that we're sinking our roots down deeply by the streams of water so that we can grow to maturity So that we can bear fruit, so God can be glorified. That's the normal Christian life, is that we grow to maturity. If this tree is not growing, there's something wrong. The normal Christian life is spiritual growth. If I were to uh, look at this tree, we would see something beneath the surface. And what are these called? They're called the roots. And If we have a big wind that comes along and you see some trees blown down, oftentimes they were either had died or they had a shallow root system. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is that if we desire to grow to maturity in Christ's likeness, that it is essential that we know God through his word, because this is how we sink our roots down deeply into the fertile soil of God's word. That's my big idea, to grow into the oaks of righteousness that God desires for each believer. We must sink our roots down deeply into the fertile soil of God's word. Now, in our essential packet, it's going to walk through a few things about the Bible. And that's really my outline this morning is, first of all, what is the Bible? What is it? Well, The Bible is God speaking, God revealing himself to us. We see this in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. God's word is God speaking to us. I love A.W. Tozer. In fact, if you want to do first call with us here at Anderson, put a little plug in for Anderson first call. We bright and early, 6 a.m., the coffee's strong. We're going to study this book, uh, The Pursuit of God. And A.W. Tozer said, God is forever speaking, seeking to speak himself out to his creation. Not God spoke. But God is speaking. He is by his nature continuously articulate. He fills the world with his speaking voice. I think a new world will arise out of the religious myths when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken. That's true. Historically, God spoke at a point of time. But it is a book which is now speaking. Is that awesome? 
And that's why as I begin time with the Lord, and one of the things we're going to conclude with is challenging each of us to spend time in the Word on a regular basis, is that we begin with, Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, is there anything, Lord, I want to confess anything. Is there anything that's hindering you from speaking to me right now? God, I come to you expecting you to speak to me through your word. Because God not only spoke at a point in time, but his word is living and active. And he is speaking to us as we open up his book. Second, God's word is eternal. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. What will be two things on this earth that endure throughout eternity? The souls of men and what? The word of God. God's word is eternal. Third, it's prophetic. I don't have time to go into a lot of this, but Isaiah 53, for example, prophesied about the coming Christ. And we see his life demonstrating the fulfillment of this prophecy, the suffering servant. In Micah 5, 2, we read about from Bethlehem will come a leader of the nation of Israel. And we see in Matthew chapter 2, Christ fulfilling this prophecy. These are just a few of the prophecies that came to fulfillment throughout Scripture, validating the accuracy of God's word. And there are some prophecies that we're still looking forward to, to Christ's return, for example, that he will return. And we as his followers, as his uh, people, will be, will be with him. God's word is trustworthy. We can count on it. We can take it to the bank. And we need this. We're in a world where in postmodernism, truth is debated. Is anything absolute? And we see that in God's word, and we're going to look more a little bit about some evidences in a minute, that yes, God's word is trustworthy. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. The testimony of God's word is sure. We can be confident that it is true. God's word is also powerful. In Ephesians 6, Paul is summarizing the book. And before he finishes, he wants us finally to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Well, how do we do that? Well, he tells us to put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against against the schemes of the devil. And then he talks about there are rulers and principalities and our struggle is not against the things of this world, but against spiritual forces. Satan is real, but greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. And what he goes on to talk about is how we can put on the armor of God. And he mentions a number of things that are all defensive except for this one. There's one offensive weapon in the armor of God, and it's the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is powerful. I love the message in Isaiah 55, 11. So will the words that come out of my mouth will not come back empty handed. They'll do the work 
I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. In other words, God's word does not return void. God's word is powerful. God's word is also life changing. It changed my life because it revealed to me Jesus Christ. And as a nine-year-old boy, I received eternal life. He changed my life. Many of you have the same testimony that through reading God's word, which is living and active, God revealed himself to you and he changed your life. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You You ever open up God's word and you're having time with him and all of a sudden you go... Ouch. Oh, Lord, I was short with my kids last night. You just can. Will you forgive me? I need to go apologize to them. You ever have God's word convict you? You ever have God's word show you that there's something in your life that's not in line with how he's calling us to live as believers? God's word is living and active and we get into his word and when we're teachable and we're hearing from him, then it's going to shape us more into Christ's image. He's speaking. It's living. It's powerful. It's life changing. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens, the God who is our salvation. Are you here this morning and you have a burden? Are you hurting? Go to God's word. There's many passages. This is from Psalm. That's why I love the Psalm that teach us about who God is and his character and that he desires for us to bring our burden to him. And he heals the broken heart. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which is beyond all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorites. That's God's word that brings healing and hope to those of us who are hurting and struggling. Ecclesiastes 11.13, in this book where Solomon is trying everything to find meaning under the sun, his conclusion is it's all vanity of vanities, it's dust in the wind, unless you fear the Lord and obey his word. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commands because this applies to every person. So as we sum it all up, as we look at life, our worldview should be that we need to submit to the sovereign creator of the universe. And I need to bring my life under him and I need to fear him and worship him with awe and reverence. And I need to keep his commands, which he has given to me in his holy word. What do we say at Grace Bible Church? If you come to our membership class, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll go over our doctrine. It's online. What does our church doctrine say about God's word? Here it is. We believe the Bible to be the verbally inspired word of God 
and the supreme and final authority in doctrine and practice. Several verses there. You can find those. This will all be online too. Through scriptural truth, I'm sorry, though scriptural truth is spiritually discerned, it is not subjective or a matter of personal opinion. Ultimately, its reliability rests on the promises of God that it is powerful, will endure, and will accomplish what God pleases. So a Grace Bible Church, you notice it's in our name. Why is it in our name? Because our founding fathers of this church believed that it was significant enough as a Bible church that we include in our name that we believe that the Bible is our authority. Not man, not what's going, what we read in the paper. God's word is our authority. And we're to live our lives in conformity with God's word. And if we want to know God, we need to know God's word. So at Grace Bible Church... Whether it's on Sunday morning or in a kid's Sunday school class or an adult adult Bible fellowship or a small group, we're going to teach God's word because we need to know God through his holy word. Theodore Roosevelt, former president, says a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. I realize I'm speaking to a university church, but uh, pretty powerful statement there. So that's what the Bible is. Why should I believe it? You ever get asked that question? Now, if you're here this morning and you're asking that question and you haven't found the answers you need, well, I want to encourage you. That's a good question to ask. Seek to understand, is the Bible reliable? Can I trust it? Can I believe it? In my experience, the more I study it, the more God confirms the reality of his word. Also, the more I study about his Bible, the more it validates to me that this truly is the word of God. In our essentials packet, we mentioned three aspects on how we can know God's word is true. The internal evidence in that it has never disproved itself. Uh, Jesus Christ affirms the validity of God's word. He says not one Jot or tittle will pass away. He, in referring to the Old Testament law, uh, God, through the internal evidence, validates the trustworthiness of his word. Through manuscriptal evidence, we can see evidence about the validity that God's word is true and is holy. There's a chart in your essentials packet, and I summarize this a little bit. I don't have enough time to really go over this, but how do we really know God's word is true? Well, let's look at some of the other works. Plato, for example, he wrote around 427 to 347 BC. And the earliest copy we have of Plato is 900 AD. There's a 1200 year span and we have seven copies today. And when you can see Aristotle, Sophocles, but how about the New Testament? It was written between 40 and 100 A.D. And the earliest copy is 125 A.D., only 25 years between when it was written. And we have what's called P46. It's a 
piece of papyri that, that points to the New Testament writing. And now we have over 24,000 copies. These are Greek manuscripts, the Latin Vulgate, other manuscripts that we have. And God in his sovereignty has used this to bring about the forming of our, our Bible. And I believe through the transmission of his word to what we have today, that we have a reliable and accurate representation of God's word to us. God's word is inspired and he has revealed himself through his word. Study this. There's more in the essentials packet. There's more that you can look um, online. So there's also historical and archaeological evidence. The Bible has never been disproved. Earlier times, for example, in Thessalonica, they thought that something was being misstated. And through archaeological digs, they found what the Bible was teaching about Thessalonica. It came to be true. The Bible has never been disproven. I love what Josh McDowell writes in Evidence That Demands a Verdict. that The Bible is written over a 1,500-year span, over 40 generations, over 40 authors from all walks of life. It's written in a variety of places, during different moods, during on three different continents, three languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, in a wide variety of literary styles. In spite of its diversity, the Bible presents a single unfolding story of God's redemption of human beings. And most importantly, among all the people described in the Bible, the leading character throughout is the one true living God made known through Jesus Christ. It's a great work, Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. The Bible is not such a book a man would write if he could or could write if he would, a man by himself. God wrote. He used human authors through inspiration, and we have a book that is reliable and trustworthy. So why should I read it? Okay, what is the Bible? Is it true? Why should I read it? I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is Paul's last will and testament to his beloved disciple Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, we read in chapter 1 about how important it is that Timothy hold to the truths of the doctrine of God's word. And he warned him in in 1 Timothy about false teachers and in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy about difficult times that will come. But in chapter 1, verse 13, speaking to Timothy, he gives him an imperative, which means do this, Timothy. He says, retain the standard of sound words. Retain the the standard, the model, the prototype of sound words, which you've heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Another imperative, Timothy, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you the treasure which has been entrusted to you. What's the treasure? It's God's word. It's the truth of scripture that has been passed down from generation to generation. He even challenges him on into chapter two. You, Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these make a deposit or entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And we're here today because of the faithfulness of Timothy and others who have passed down the truths of Scripture to succeeding generations. But you see how Paul viewed this God's word. It's, it's, a, it's a treasure and he needed to guard it. He also, in chapter 2, needs to handle it accurately. Chapter 2, verse 15. This is our Awana verse. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman 
who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. So we need to handle God's word accurately and teach it uh, according through the leading of, of his spirit. I was building a fence one time and my gate, I wanted it to be a little bit higher. So I was going to cut uh, a little bit off the bottom. And so when I cut a little bit off the bottom uh, uh, board, about an inch, I decided I'd use that board as a guide and mark it and uh, cut the next board. And so I knew used that next board as another guide and I marked it and I put my fence up and it went like this. Why was that? Because each succeeding board was off by the width of the saw blade. And I, ne- I didn't go back to the original standard, the first one that I cut. And what Paul is saying to Timothy here is it's actually cut the board straight. Handle accurately the word of truth. And then in chapter 3, this is our scripture memory passage. If you're memorizing scripture as you go through this. By the way, if uh, you don't know this, at the very back of the packet, of the packet on the last page, we have scripture memory verses. And so you can cut these out and memorize the verses. The, the scripture memory for this section is found in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God. All, not just some, all 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, all Scripture is literally God-breathed. God has inspired His Holy Word. All Scripture is inspired by God. Not like Shakespeare was inspired, but God inspired this book. God inspired, it's, it's literally God inspired by God. You can translate it that way. All scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable. Y'all like to make a profit? Read God's word. It's profitable. It's useful to us. It will profit us. God's word is profitable for four things. For teaching. Teaching what is true. Teaching what is right. Secondly, it's profitable for reproof. To show us where we're out of line. To show us sin. To show us error. To refute error. To teach us, to reprove us for correction, literally to get right, to restore back to upright. Lastly, for training in righteousness. Training, which is used in child rearing, to train us to be like Christ, to be like God, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So God's word is to make Timothy and to make us adequate. I think that's a poor translation. The word adequate can also be translated complete. It can be translated capable. It can be translated proficient. So God's word is given to us so that we will be proficient and useful for good works. Not only that, it equips us. This word equipping means completely outfits us. In classical literature, this word was used before a ship sailed. It was outfitted. It was equipped. Before a caravan left, it was equipped. It was outfitted. And so God is equipping us for good works through his holy word. The Bible is the word of God in such a way that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And we're to long for it like newborn babes. God's word will keep us pure in Psalm 119. 
So how can I get the most out of it? Or to read it, to memorize it, to study it, read God's word, get to know him, memorize it, to study it. When I bought this plant, I actually bought another plant. Isn't this a beautiful Gerbera daisy? Again, that represents new life in Christ. We need the three elements. We need the water. We need the light. And we need the soil of God's word. The same time I bought that plant, I bought this plant. Um, and I did something to it. Now, this plant cost me 12 bucks, so listen up. This, is, this needs to be a good illustration. I ruined a plant for this. I took out the soil. Okay, These plants have been sitting side by side. I've been watering them the same. They've been getting the same sunlight. Problems, I took the soil out. Now, you're saying you don't know a whole lot about gardening. Or you might be saying, yeah, you're looking for a good illustration. But this was me my senior year in college. See, at nine years old, I had trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I know that Christ came into my life. However... No one taught me about studying the Word of God. My senior year in college, I went to a winter conference. I heard Bill Bright talk about the Spirit-filled life. And I learned about this this power that was within me. It was revolutionary. And a guy named Clark Lassie, who was a junior, I was a senior, he said, Hey, will you be willing to meet with me for discipleship? I said, What's that? He said, I'll show up at your dorm, and we'll meet together, and we'll study God's Word together. I said, well, nobody's ever done that. He goes, I know. That's why you're looking like this. And I want to teach you. So we began to meet together. And he went through some materials. We began to memorize the book of Philippians. And the whole, he already had it memorized. I spent the whole spring, and I think I got 10 verses, you know. But I was in God's Word. And I began, and I'm telling you, in those few months, I grew more than at any time in my Christian life. Because I was in God's Word, I was around with the Spirit of God, was moving in my life, and I was around the people of God, which again is coming in two weeks. Are any of you look, looking like this in your spiritual life? We need to get into God's Word. We need to allow His Spirit to operate in our life. We need to know the truths of God's Word. And we need to be with the people of God so that we can grow to maturity in Christ. Really, those oak, that oaks of righteousness so God can be glorified, sinking our roots down deeply in this fertile soil of God's Word. So, is knowing God's Word a priority in my life? When and where will I do it? Well, for me, it's uh, starting out in the morning. Uh, coffee is a spiritual element, uh, I believe, in having a good quiet time. Getting a good cup of coffee. And I like to sit on my back porch. I find a spot and I'm just alone with God and open up his word and I read it. And I ask God to show me his way. I'm doing something with my son right now. And uh, we're going through, I'm going to show you some materials in a minute, but we're going through a Bible reading plan. And uh, all this is, is it's a New Testament reading plan where we read through the New Testament in a year. And uh, what's really cool about this is sometimes I forget or I'm busy. Andrew will come up to me and say, hey, dad, we hadn't read our Bible today. (laughs) Does that bring joy to your heart as a father of what? And so we'll go through this. And uh, it takes us five or ten minutes. We'll talk about it. And it's something we're doing together 
as a father and son. I'm seeking to pass my faith on down to him. So I'm going to give you some resources here. There's a baby story Bible. These are going to be online for you that have little bitty kids. It's great cardboard story Bible. Don't underestimate what your kids can know. And what, as a dad, one of my goals when my kids were little is I, I never wanted to put them down without praying with them and without just reading something to them about God's word. Get a little older. We've got, got the toddler's Bible. We've got the beginner's Bible, a little bit older. Was this the one that Rachel trusted Christ? Yeah, she was reading this when she trusted Christ at age four. Or we were reading it to her and she was beginning to read. There's other resources, family reading Bible. And I uh, want to encourage you. Also, there's Bible reading plans. Uh, I've listed, listed uh, these up here. The one I have, I got from the Navigators. There's uh, read through a Bible in the year. There's read through the New Testament in the year. You can read through chronologically. You can get a, a version Bible app and uh, read through the Bible on your phone app. Net Bible will actually email you a daily scripture reading, uh, depending on a variety of plans that can help you with uh, reading through the Bible. So I'm going to have these resources. Also, um, Bible study this fall will be, uh, core study will be Ruth, and uh, home churches will be studying 1 Corinthians. But get plugged in to a small group. Grow in a Bible study. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We love you and just ask that you would impress on us this morning the value, the incredible treasure that we have in your word. I pray, Father, that we would be diligent as your people to seek to know you on a regular basis through your word. I pray, Father, that we would teach your word to our children. I pray that uh, we will handle your word accurately in uh, our small groups and in Sunday school and, and, and hear from the pulpit. And uh, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has never begun a relationship with Christ, I pray that as hearing this, that you would just draw them to yourself and that they would simply respond by placing their faith in Christ and receiving his free gift of salvation. We love you, Lord. Help us as a community of believers and as a family of God to sharpen one another, hold each other accountable, and spur one another on in this area of getting to know you through your word. Thank you for this time we've had together. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks.